Our reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 5, verses 27 to 32, and you'll find it on page 836 in the Pew Bible. Luke 5, 27 to 32. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at a tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to have you here uh, worshipping the Lord this morning. And um, we are going to go into our, our third talk in the mission-minded series. And I'm going to give you some Bible background. Then uh, in the second part of the sermon, I'm going to give you... Uh, uh, outline for gospel presentations. So as we're looking at teaching and training the last three weeks, as well as it's not just a sermon, but also to model to you how you might present the gospel to people in a variety of ways. And so uh, we'll get to that in a little while. Let me pray. God, please uh, speak to us this morning, encourage us from your word to be mission-minded, to be ready and available to give an answer for the hope that we have. And we pray that we would be encouraged by your word, spurred on by your spirit, uh, that we would be your witnesses in the world for the glory of your name. Amen. Friends, it was uh, some years ago, I was uh, a lot younger than what I am now, but I was uh, meeting my wife in the city, and, um, and before she turned up, I was walking, I, walking down the street, and I ran into him, her brother, my brother-in-law. And uh, we got talking, and for apparently no reason at all, without any prompting from me, he said, Ange, I was wondering what a Christian was, and I think I've worked it out, and I think a Christian is this, and he defined what he thought a Christian was. What do you think? Now, it's not often you get opportunities like that, and I'm walking down, uh, I think I ended up in Pitt Street, I remember at this stage, went down Pitt Street, explaining to him the gospel message. He had almost had it right, but his was a works-based understanding of Christianity. He didn't really get it yet, and I was able to do that. Friends, you never know where you're going to be, with who you're going to be, when God then lays it in your lap, an opportunity to help someone know Jesus. And so we, as we pray for open doors for the gospel, and as we said in week one, we're praying because it's a spiritual work, and we pray for open doors. And last week we said, well, you need to know your personal story because people will engage you with your story of meeting Jesus and how he's changed you. Now we're talking about sharing the truth of the gospel, building relationships and sharing that truth. And one of the key things we need to do is ensure that we engage with non-Christian people. And uh, Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. Now, please don't call your friends sinners. <laughs> well, I'm going to you, you're a sinner and a tax collector, I'm going to be your friend. No, that's not probably the way we ought to see it. Because Jesus even went further than just the ordinary sinners. It was the outcasts and uh, the ones who weren't part of normal society. Uh, the prostitutes, the, uh, the tax collectors who worked for the Roman authorities who were treated as outsiders. 
But Jesus even went there. I've got some friends who minister in prisons, for example. They're going to be friends of sinners. For most of our friends, I guess you wouldn't describe them that way. Yes, they're all sinners. They're all selfish, like us. Uh, They're all focused on this world, like us sometimes. Um, But Jesus called a friend of sinners. He says, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why does he eat? Because when you share a meal with people in that culture, it speaks of fellowship and intimacy and relationship, right? He's eating with them. It's not simply passing them on the street, and having a conversation. No, no, they're in the meal, having a meal together. Imagine them in your home, in your dining room, having a meal with the outcasts and the sinners. And so now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. Interesting, they were, uh, they were attracted to Jesus, the outsider, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them, Luke 15. And then he tells the story of the lost son in that period. Luke 19, verse 10, after his encounter with Zacchaeus, again, a sinner tax collector, he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. We need to be, like Jesus, engaging with people who are outside of the kingdom who are lost. John Dixon writes, Jesus' friendship with sinners gave people a tangible sign of the welcoming grace of God. His questionable dining habits were not merely an attempt to buck the system of his day. They were an illustration of the fellowship with sinners God so keenly desires. This is the mission to which we are called. Our entire life, including our social life, should demonstrate the Lord's desire to have fellowship with sinners. And friends, Jesus, as we see, is the original friend of sinners. We need to be like him, love the lost, and, uh, and reach them with the gospel. Let me tell you about three people in my life who I would see displaying the welcoming grace of God, a friend of sinners. Firstly, Daryl. Now, here's the fellow who led me to Christ. And uh, he would run, as a primary school teacher, he would run a primary school ISCF, Interschool Christian Fellowship. Then he set up an after-school ISCF group on a Friday evening in his classroom, to which I was invited as a year nine boy by my year seven brother. And up to 50 or 60 different kids over a period of time would come. He went out of his way to love us, to share Christ with us. He rode a push bike. He never drove a car back in those days. He would ride around the community to the students' homes. He would be greeted by the parents. It wasn't just a teacher who went in and did his job and then lived in another suburb. He chose to move into the suburb where he taught so he could do more than teach but meet the families. Quite radical. He would turn up to the local park when we were playing soccer in our spare time and join us or a football game. He joined, he became a rugby league referee in the area so he could meet more people in the community and get abused by the parents and everyone else on the sidelines. He would take us 
10-pin bowling. You take us on outings as well. From a Greek immigrant community, our parents didn't take us anywhere. They worked in factories all their, their days, six days a week. But he would, take, he would take us to the Royal National Park and we would go rowing. He would take us on camps. He invested his life in bringing good news to a bunch of teenage sinners. Take my friend Shane. Shane I met at Springwood Baptist when I worked there and he was a young guy, not well educated. Had a love for Jesus though. And he would often say he would work at Bilo. It's a shopping centre in Wimberley. And every week he'd see me and fill me in with another story of these 14, 15 year old kids and what they were up to. Who was sleeping with who and, and what drugs they were taking and how he was trying to love them and tell them about Jesus. And said, Angela had this conversation and I think she almost got it. But I'm not sure she really got it, understood what I was talking about. And each week there was another story. Giving himself, praying to reach these sinners with the gospel. He later on, he said, Angel, I'm going to go to Bible college. And I went, oh, God, have mercy. <laughs> How's he going to pass a college? He went to Emmaus Bible College. After two weeks, he said, I was going to drop out, Angel. You have to study all these things and you have to write essays. I've never done any of this. He persevered. Then he had to preach. Set him up in a, uh, in a small Bible study to preach. I'm not sure I, I could release him to the church to preach. And he's finished his Bible college. And he went on to work to, with Powder Change in student ministry as a chaplain in schools. And that's one of the leaders in that Powder Change, a young guy, without the education that some of us have, but fully committed to Christ to doing his work. Or Ada, one of our cross-cultural workers, as a young guy in Sydney reaching surfers with a heart to reach these surfing sinners, a subculture of people who often are not focused on Christ, but on sex, drugs, and simply catching a wave. And then had a call of God at the age of 24, 25 to go to Southeast Asia to set up a ministry. And to watch him there when we visited and to hear the stories over 20 years now of reaching local people, surfing communities and non-surfing communities with the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends of sinners, that's what they are. That's what God calls us to be. Friends, we need to rub shoulders with unbelievers. That passage in Luke 5 reminds us that uh, the more we mix, the more we know people, and it happens, friends, you know, it happens through your, at the school gate for parents with kids, you get to know the other parents. It happens at a playtime group, it happens at a craft group, it happens at the soccer field or the basketball field, court, wherever it is that you engage with others. You are mixing with people. We need to ensure we are mixing with people. It happens at work, by the way. It happens, you know, when I was a teacher, it happens in our staff room. Conversation about Jesus. We need to be open, our eyes open, prayerful for God-given opportunities to love people, to present Christ with them. Rub shoulders with unbelievers. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me. Jesus said to him, and Levi got up and left everything and followed him. A call of Jesus to a sinner to follow him, and he followed. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? 
Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Levi gets saved and throws a party. And his strategy is this. In his party, he mixes Christians or God's people with non-Christians. He mixes them up so they talk, they eat, they engage about spiritual matters. Many years ago, I remember uh, really striking when I was at Teachers College, uh, a whole bunch of people I tried to relate to and uh, share Christ with. There's one guy, Gary, and Gary um, never wanted to talk about spiritual things. But one day, uh, some of our, our gang in my year group, maths teachers, were, they, put a, they were in a bit of a band. So we invited to a barbecue in Wentworthville. I thought that was a Wild West back then. And uh, we had a barbecue. I thought, where am I going to find Wentworthville? Where is that? I'm the Marigville inner city kid, right? I found Wentworthville. And uh, we had a barbecue in the backyard. And then the band, the guys got together and they did a few songs for us. That was nice. We're part of the group of people. I'm the only Christian there. And then Gary, who's never said anything spiritual. While we're eating, we were alone for a period of time. And he started to ask spiritual questions. When we're alone in that setting, away from the others, he kept looking around to make sure no one saw him asking spiritual questions. Sometimes you need that, people who are getting close to Christ need that hidden space as they come to discover Christ. And we talk for the next 20 minutes about following Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus. I don't quite know why he asked those questions, but what I'm saying, when we're in the spaces with others, someone might ask that question. Mark Middleberg talks about the barbecue first principle. Sometimes we'll run gospel events and say, why don't you bring a friend along? But if you don't have good relationships and friendships and trust, they're not likely to come with you. So I'll say, who, who do you focus on? Let me give you three categories. When you think about, well, I don't know, who's in my world? Because we want you to think strategically, who's in your world? Well, who, you can share the gospel with people you know, all right? Parents at school, family, neighbours, sporting contacts. You might go to a movie together, might organise a barbecue at your house, go to dinner at their house. You might meet them at the gym as a netball or football um, teams. It could be whatever. You might invite them to a baptism or a dedication. I know when we have dedication, people often invite their friends or baptism, people invite their friends. Expose them to the Christian community. I had a friend who was checking out Christianity years ago and his fiancée was a Christian um, and that was concerning because his fiancée should have known better than being engaged to someone who wasn't a follower of Jesus. And uh, so I would then meet with him and we would play squash from time to time and we'd talk about Jesus following the squash games. I had to invest time to get to know him and originally she was my friend she got a little bit disappointed. And you're my friend. Now you're spending all your time with him. I said, well, he doesn't know Jesus yet, right? <laughs> if you're going to marry this guy, I want him to know Jesus. And we're able to share uh, the faith with him. And he became a Christian a few years later. People you know. Think of all the people you know. Sometimes, I don't know non-Christians. Yes, you do. Look around you. And sometimes people you used to know. Social media is good at this. Sometimes you connect with someone on social media or you think of an old friend. I think I might give them a call and see how they're going. It's amazing what you discover. People like reconnecting. They like going to school reunions. But it's not, I've never been to a school reunion. 
I think most of them are in jail still. But, uh, <laughs> or some of them, all right. Exaggerating. Uh, my wife's been to some school reunions, but they've now... My wife, she went to Fort Street, she went to a nice school, uh, selective high school, but some of that group have continued to keep in contact. Hadn't seen each other for years, but after 20, 30 years of reunions, they now see each other. Even though they hadn't seen each other for years, they feel a connection because of where they went to school and where their lives are at. And some are now divorced, and some are now struggling with other things, and they're able to open up and share about things. I wonder if there's someone in your past. I was reading a story of a... Kathy, who was a newer Christian, and, uh, and she did an evangelism training course at a church talking about how to share the gospel with people, and someone suggested other old friends. So she contacted an old friend. It was God's timing as she contacted this old friend, because her, the old friend's name was Raylene, and her husband was in hospital dying of a terminal illness, and she didn't have anyone else to support her. So as God led this woman to ring this old friend, she became a servant to these people, an encouragement to these people. She was around to help them in the midst of their need. But more than that, she was able to share Christ with them. They both became Christians. Her husband only lasted a few more weeks, but he gave his life to Christ and then passed away. And Kathy and this old friend Raylene were baptized at the same service. By the grace of God, saved both of them. Old friends, I don't know, you remember that old friend, you think, oh, I wonder what they're doing. Who can you call this week? I'm a bit of a Facebook, Facebook stalker, so if you're, you come new to our church, and I, I'm seeing people up the back, I found you on Facebook. I've seen some other people over here, I was Googling you, I'm just, because there are new people here. And then I asked you to be my friend, and I know when in, if you go, oh, I've just met that pastor, he wants to be my friend already. But then you get to see what we do in the church. Well, the reason I do that is because I keep posting about soccer, about my granddaughter, about Jesus. Just mix it all up. I want to connect with you. But you never know who you might meet and what their stories. People have found me from the past. And they said, I knew you were a Christian. I've just come to faith. I remember how I was a young 17-year-old at school. You were the religious guy. And he said, there was something about you compared to the other guys. I've now given my life to, fight, to Jesus too. I wanted to find you to let you know. Use social media for the good of the gospel. But also people you'd like to know. You know, you go to the coffee shop or the bread shop or a restaurant and certain people think, oh, I'd like to get to know them better. And many of you go to the same coffee shops, you know the names of the people. You'll never... Be open to gospel conversations and loving people. Going beyond just having the coffee, finding out more about their lives, what they're up to. Consider people you'd like to know in your world and see what you can do to intentionally build those relationships. My friends, once we're out there, and they're just some principles, just be with people, love people, serve people. Somewhere you're going to have to share the gospel. So you need to know the gospel so you can give a reason for the hope that you have. 1 Peter says, uh, in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. Keep a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Okay? So 
Christ as Lord, always set him apart as Lord. And if you're setting him apart as Lord, you're conscious of his lordship, of his love, of his mercy, of his offer of love to the sinner and the outcast. And then be ready to give an answer. But don't be pushy. Don't be harsh in presentation. Just do it gently. And I say to people, if people, sometimes they ask you something, you start to give an answer. In your head, oh, right, four spiritual laws or two ways to live. Uh, and you only get to point one and then they stop listening. Probably a hint to stop talking. <laughs> you forget because you're so focused. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I've got this chance to, to tell them everything. And they didn't really want to know everything. So you need to know the gospel in different ways to present it, but be sensitive to what they are asking and how they are responding uh, to, your, to your answers, conversations. And it needs to come out as naturally as possible. Now, I'm going to share four gospel conversations outlines with you but let me say often I've done it where I have a piece of paper and a pen and I'll draw out I'm going to talk about the bridge to life two ways to live uh, do verse done and John Chapman's method I'll come to those in a moment often I get a piece of paper and I could do those presentations and sometimes you do that with people someone says what's a Christian so you've got a few moments listen I've got a piece of paper and a pen it's much easier if I draw it for you and I do this at our Christian explain courses uh, the first Session, in case they never come back for the rest of the course, I just give them the gospel overview. When we did the uh, playtime, going deeper sessions, we're having little Bible studies with women. The first thing I did was the Bridge to Life illustration. And my Bridge to Life has a bit of uh, two ways to live mixed in as well. But I just learned multiple presentations and just mix and match what we're going to do. So let me start where move there. Well, let's start, since it's up there, <laughs> with Bridge to Life. And many of you were familiar with this. It goes something like this. So if you're drawing that on a piece of paper, you'd say, listen, let me just tell you about uh, God's love. And you say, God, you write God's name, and us, God has created us for a loving relationship with him. Now, go back one, please. Yep. Uh, God has created us for a loving relationship with him. And God, see, there's nothing between us. God wants intimacy and closeness. But, next one, but that's not how we see it now. So you're drawing little uh, cliffs or barriers around God and us. What we see in the world is that we've turned away from God and we don't see that intimacy and closeness with God anymore. We see sin and evil and uh, violence and, and war in the world and the Bible says that we blew it because we've turned away from God and we don't follow him. That's what the Bible calls sin. But one of the things is that we realize that we have a broken relationship with the God of the universe. So for a lot of us, or some of us, we'll try to get right with God through our actions. And next one. And that's the error. So as hard as we try... Right, I normally draw a couple of lines normally. As hard as we try, we always fall short. We can't get to God through our good works. We can't get to God uh, by our religious observance. You can go to church as much as you like, but that doesn't give you a right relationship with God. Why? Because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But more than that, not only can we not reach God, but the wages of sin is death. Takes us to the next one. Because we are separated from God by our sin... It results in death and judgment. And God, who is just and holy, will judge sin and disobedience against him. Now, that's a terrible news, isn't it? I told you I was 
you know, I'll say these things. I was going to give you good news, right, about Jesus and his love. But that was a terrible situation. But friends, the good news is this, that God so loved you that he sent Jesus to become a bridge between us and God, his Father. He becomes a bridge by dying in our place, taking the punishment for the sins that we deserve, because we can't get to God because we have fallen short of him, but because Jesus lived that perfect life and died in our place, he defeats death, we go to the next one, and he's risen from the, raised from the dead as Lord and Saviour over all. Our sin has been dealt with, it's been punished in Jesus. He's been raised from the dead, declared to be Lord over all, King. And now you have a choice to make. God invites you, because he's done all that for us, but he now invites you to believe in him, and we go to the next one, trust in him, to cross over by trusting in Jesus to become God's friend again. Now it takes a turning away from your old lifestyle and a receiving of all that Jesus has done for you, his death and his resurrection. And then I say, so where do you think you are in, in terms of that, that illustration? Do you think you're over here still, separated from God? Are you getting close to the bridge to cross over? Or do you think you've crossed over? And then having asked that question, we'll find out, gives them a chance to say, well, I think I'm a long way out there. Well, I think I, I, think I might be over. That gives you an opportunity then to talk further about the gospel. We call that one the bridge to life illustration and you can buy little booklets which um, have some version of that but I think you can draw that we can memorize that and draw that and I can take people through that simply by drawing it and by drawing that if I have some time with people it helps them to see how it all works another popular one is the two ways to live tracked if we could go to that one next one please we have tracks available but also um, people may not read the whole tract and this one will come in six figures, six pictures. And it's something that I memorised. We did training courses in the past. And, uh, and I, this is a helpful one as well. And it starts this way. Again, God is the good ruler and creator. See, and if you're drawing, you draw the circle. God created the world. You have a crown representing God. And he created us under his lordship to rule the earth. Right? So that's why the humans there, if you understand the pictures... And you, were, and you have a Bible verse for each section. You're worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And so it's wonderful. God has created us to have a relationship with him under his leadership. <clears throat> but again, but that's not how we see the world today, is it? Next one. What we notice is that we've rebelled against God. We said, God, we don't want you to be king and lord in our lives. We'll set up ourselves as king, so you drew a little crown over yourself. And I say, that's true, isn't it? I like to do things my own way. I don't want someone telling me how to run my life. Well, we're all like that, aren't we? We rebel against God. We don't want God to tell us how to live life. We want to be our own kings. So instead of under his lordship, we try to do things our own way. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Well, what will God do about that? Well, God is just and righteous and holy, and he will judge people who rebel against him we go to the next one god is just and holy the bible says just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment as a result of our sin uh, we'll be judged by god we will die physically we know that but also spiritually separate from god forever under his judgments 
Again, that's the bad news, right? Before you get it. But the good news is that God sent Jesus to die for us. God loves us. He doesn't want us to be separated from him forever. God wants us to become his friends. So Jesus always lived under God's reign, under his rule. He was perfect, holy. Jesus is the perfect man and the perfect saviour as well. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He died in our place, friends. Isn't that good news? But more than that, next one, God raised Jesus from the dead. He wasn't just some prophet and some Jewish guy who thought he was God, but by the resurrection, it confirmed that he is God's son who died and rose again for us. And because he's risen, he is Lord over the universe. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new hope or new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Friends, let me tell you, death has been defeated. You don't have to go to your death unforgiven and fear eternity in hell. No, God can forgive you and restore you and spend eternity in heaven with him. And then you come to that decision time again. Right, the sixth one. Friends, there are two ways to live. You can live under the Lordship of Jesus, who is the Lord over all, who died for you, who loves you, who sacrificed his life for you, and you, you talk about all that love. Or you can continue in a self-ruled life where you can do your own thing. You have a choice to make. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. You already have it. It's a present possession. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Which way would you like to live? Which way would you, do you think you're living now? I guess so you ask that question, enables an opportunity. Friends, for this one, I must say, uh, I've often left these gospel tracts with people in hospital. And I remember one woman who was near death, and um, she wasn't communicating very much at that stage, but I left her with her, I said, listen, because I was invited to tell her about Jesus. She wanted someone to tell her about Jesus. And I was able to tell about Jesus and left that tract. And a few days, it wasn't long later, afterwards she passed away. But before she passed away, when she was lucid enough, she read the tracts. She prayed the prayer of commitment to make peace with God. Then she passed away. Never know how God's going to use the gospel, even in the final moments of someone's life. Can I encourage you to, uh, to keep some of those around and hand them out to people? The third one, which is, uh, I mean, they're a bit longer, but, you know, you can tell the story. The other one, uh, often with religious people, is called the do versus done illustration. And it's really easy to remember. You say, oh, really? No, no, that's not what a Christian is. And I could do that with my, my brother-in-law walking down the street. Christianity says, no, no, it's not quite like that. That's more like religion. Religion is spelled D-O, do. Religion, I don't like, I say to people, I don't like religion at all. What do you mean? You're a pastor, right? No, religion is dangerous. It leads to death. (laughs) It's poisonous religion. And then you get their attention. And they say, what do you mean? I say, well, religion is spelled D-O. It's what you do to try to impress God so he can let you into heaven. Your good works, your religious duties. You do all these things thinking you you can do enough. And if you've done enough, you're over the 50% mark, God might let you into heaven. So the pass mark is 100%. If you want to do things to get into heaven, then you have to be perfect as Jesus was perfect. Because it doesn't matter uh, how tr- hard you try, you never know if you've done enough when you, you don't. 
And the Bible says you can never do enough. But Christianity is so different to that. Let me tell you, like no other religion in the world, Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E, done. It's not what you do, it's what Christ has done for you. He lived the perfect life. He died the sacrificial death in your place. He took the punishment for your sins. He rose again, defeating death. It's not what you do, it's what Jesus has done. You just need to receive and believe in what Jesus has done and you will be forgiven find friendship with God and become one of his children. Your confidence is not in what you do, but in what Jesus has done for you. Friends, every other religion is different to that. Buddhism, Islam, whatever, Hinduism, you need to do all these things. So we want you to know that uh, religion is potentially dangerous, if, you know, careful use of the word religion and so on. But Christianity is unique. And the final one I just want to share with you is uh, one that John Chapman used to use, and this is easy to remember on the run. He calls it, uh, if we go to the next one, God, man, God, what if he does, what if he won't? And uh, so he starts, it's very easy to remember, hey God, God is a loving ruler and creator of this universe. He loves us, he wants a relationship with us. But man, woman, <laughs> Chapman would have changed it now, person, <laughs> rejected God's rule and leadership in our lives. We call that sin. The world's messed up. We don't live the way we should in relationship with God. But God, man, God, but God in his love sent Christ to die for us, etc., etc. What if he does? What if he repents? If he believes, repents and believes, he has forgiveness, eternal life, friendship with God, and receives the Holy Spirit, lives a new life at peace with God. What if he won't? He remains under God's judgment and continues to be an enemy of God rather than a friend of God. I find that helpful to remember as I go, well, God did this, we sinned, God provided a way of salvation. But what if he does, what if he won't? It helps people to make a choice. I think, well, if you don't believe, this happens. I remember saying to a, someone I was doing Christianity Explained with in my office, and we talked about this at the last one. Uh, I said, well, he said, oh, that sounds good. I said, are you going to make a decision for Jesus? No. I said, why not? I said, oh, I just want to do my own thing. I don't want to follow Christ. I said, well, if you follow Christ, you'll find forgiveness and friendship with God. But the Bible also says, and I said to him, if you don't, you find yourself under God's judgment. You don't have peace with God. You don't have eternal life. You're going to be punished eternally. So I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like a God who will punish me. I said, well, yeah, well, that's part of your problem. Because <laughs> you are... You know, think of the crown. He wanted to have his own crown, run his life his own way. Was not willing to change. But the fact that I asked that question meant that I could push him to realise that if he continued to live that way, he would be under the judgement of God. I haven't seen him for many years and uh, pray that in God's mercy he might be changed. Friends, why do we do any of this? Because Christ is the hope of the world. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to God. He's the only way of salvation. Why do we need to be mission-minded, prayerful, sharing our story, sharing God's story? It is the only way of salvation. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you for your loving work in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to know that gospel, to own it, to believe it, to let it just... A seep out of every 
pour in our being, as we live it out, as we preach it, as we teach it, as we model it, Lord, that many would be saved. And Lord, I did a pray this morning for anyone in this auditorium who, having heard the gospel in four different ways, has realised that they need to believe in Jesus. They've realised that they have been separated from you. They need to cross the bridge to become one of your children. Lord, help them to make that decision this morning. Help them to say sorry for their sins, to admit their failures, to admit that they are still trying to run life their own way, king in their own lives. They need to turn and submit to Jesus as loving king and ruler. Lord, help them by your spirit to make that decision this morning and to tell someone about that. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.